Welcome to the Financial Philosophers Podcast, where we explore the nuances of personal finance, improve our financial literacy, and empower ourselves to achieve financial freedom. Come nerd out with us, and let's take this journey together. Welcome back, everyone, to the Financial Philosophers Podcast. Danny, you feeling the fire today? I wish, man. It's freezing in here. (laughs) (laughs) I used that term because I I was told that that's kind of what the cool, young, hip people say nowadays. It's like, that's so fire. Like when something's really awesome. Uh, And so I said that. I thought it was, that's lit or it's lit. I don't know anymore. We're we're a bit old at this point. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. I I said it. I made the mistake of saying that uh, that's, that's fire in front of a Gen Z and they proceeded to call me a boomer. Uh, which was hilarious because I'm only 34. I'm nowhere near boomer range. 34-year-olds are now boomers, huh? <laughs> I guess so. But anyway, to our listeners, uh, Chris, we are talking Chris, about... boomers is a state of mind. <laughs> wow. Apologies to our listeners for dealing with our um, ridiculous antics from time to time. <laughs> let's let's get into the fire state of mind. Absolutely. This, is, this episode's about the fire movement. Danny, we've talked about this a lot. I don't know kind of if so much. Yeah, yeah in passing. Um, the fire movement... For our listeners who don't know what that is, it stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. And you can Google this and you're going to see all kinds of very passionate websites and articles and, and people on YouTube who talk about this movement. You will see many proponents uh, advocating for it. Uh, you will see a lot of other financial gurus online who try to dismantle it and criticize it. Okay. All right. We're going to talk about it today. And I, Danny, I want to take a middle of the road approach like i'll be honest with you i've been very inspired and motivated by the fire me as well i I wouldn't say i'm a i don't know what you would call one who followed yeah fire disciple and adherent (laughs) to the fire movement yeah but i I certainly there are elements of it that really spoke to me about especially the financial independence part you know there's kind of a gray line between a gray area between what is financial independence and what is retiring, right? They're yeah. kind of one and the same, in my opinion. So to our listeners, the FIRE movement, this is generally characterized by like people who, who display very extreme financial behaviors and have very extreme financial discipline. Like the, the goal is to really... Very aggressive goals. Be, oh my yeah. gosh, extremely aggressive. I mean, it means different things to different people. Quick shout out, Danny, episode, I think, to our listeners, if you haven't listened to it before, episode 15, Five Paths to Financial Freedom. I think that's a good, more practical, uh, applicable to yeah. most people who are just starting to learn about Middle of the road financial approach. freedom. Yeah. yeah. So you can definitely check that out um, if you want to have a complimentary episode to today's episode. But so essentially, what do you need to achieve fire right financial independence and retire early i was gonna make a joke what do you need to achieve fire well you need you know some wood you need a source of flame some sticks (laughs) to rub together (laughs) so um generally people who are pursuing financial independence and want to retire early they they have extreme savings rates the people i've spoken to and the examples i've seen somebody who is single is probably saving close to 50 percent of their entire income that makes sense and yeah, and then for couples, you're saving one person's entire mm-hmm. income, which effectively comes out to fifty. Yeah, double think about double it. income household, um, basically paring yeah. down to live on a single income, and then investing and saving that entire secondary income. And honestly, that yes. is what we strive for. Uh, we just can't. Me too. 
quite yeah. reach it yet uh, with, you know, things such as daycare. But it's a goal. Yeah, my, my wife and I aren't close. Yeah, we're close to that goal too, Danny. I, and there are a couple other things we'll wrap up and then, you know, I think we're going to get close to that one income, mm-hmm. uh, living off of one income. Yep. But, you know, then th- I think that's one of the examples that quite frankly inspired me about the fire movement was was getting to that point. You know, if you think about it, when you combine household incomes, it's not far-fetched to imagine a, a lifestyle where you could live off of one person's income. Definitely. Right? It might be a little extreme for some people, depending on where you live, but could be could be feasible, mm-hmm. depending on the situation. So, I, I don't think there's a magic percentage, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I use 50% or saving one person's income. It's going to vary depending on your income yeah, level, there's, right? There's no magic percentage, but the higher that savings percentage, the faster that goal is achieved. Um, I believe there are some calculators online where you can essentially plug in the percentage that you save and it will tell you hypothetically the number of years until you can achieve fire just based on your current spend rate and how much you save out of your annual income. Yeah. Well, I guess to our listeners, feel free to Google that and see what you can find online. I will say just a word of not caution, just, just, um, reality check. Everything uses assumptions, right? Like savings rate assumptions the growth of your investment assumptions right you change those things like growth of and return on investment yeah, even one percent change that by one percent is gonna drastically change the yeah. outcome and so i think that's just be mindful of that's that. why you and i always um you know are proponents of building in kind of like a a, a buffer like a, a safety zone or like a little extra into whatever you're you know planning for just in case things don't work out quite as you hope Definitely. I, I think on the extreme saving side of things, there's also an element of extreme budgeting for people in the fire movement, right? Like it's not uncommon for somebody who is really committed to it, like especially to our listeners. If you are thinking about this, there, there has to be a very strict adherence to a budget and cutting back on spending, especially if you want to hit that early mark. Um, you're really focusing on spending intentionally. I, I've heard stories, Danny, of people pursuing this movement to the point where they're like, telling their friends, yeah, sorry, I'm not going to go out to dinner with you guys tonight. You know, it's like, it's outside of our budget. You know, it's like, what do you talk about? You make plenty of money. It's like, yeah, yeah. But you know, we're pursuing these financial goals. It, it can be, it can lead to weird social interactions right? okay. where, where you may not be on the same page as other, your peers, for example, your friends, your family. And so there might be a conflict of, of um, spending priorities, if you will. Okay. And I think we'll, we'll so, dive into that a little bit later uh, in this episode yeah. to kind of that that would fall into some of those things that you might give up if you're really aggressively right. pursuing this. And I definitely want to dive into that and kind of like dig into it and, and break it apart because there are some pitfalls there that, you know, I would personally argue you don't really want to go down. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, let's touch base on that in just a second. The last thing I would say is, um, you know, aside from the extreme savings rates, the extreme budgeting, uh, there's also the extreme pursuit of additional income. Absolutely. So a lot of people who are pursuing this fire movement you know, it was not uncommon to see them working two, sometimes three jobs, right? And maybe mm-hmm. even overlapping jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some of the stories. Of people, like, <laughs> double employment. Double dipping. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, let's, kind we can get into that uh, in another episode. Yeah. There's, you know, some, some certainly some arguments on both sides of that. But of course, uh, that extreme pursuit of income harkens back to, you know, the recent episode uh, in terms of what's more important, contributions versus returns, right? And the higher your income, the higher your contributions, the lower overall return is needed in order to reach those goals. Yeah. And I'll earmark that for a second, Danny, because when we get 
to the point where we want to talk about some of the risks with the fire approach. Okay. I think that's actually going to uh, come to the forefront, this idea of how returns change um, due to certain risks with fire, especially if you're retiring, you know, financial independence, retire early, having a longer period of time than normal to have to live off of your investments. Oh boy. And be subject to. Yeah. You increase that yeah. longevity, longevity risk and yes. astronomical amount, right? If you are, if yeah. you are successful with this and you retire at 30, 35, 40, right? And suddenly instead of retirement needing to retirement funds needing to last you 30 years ish, you know, you're, you're hoping your retirement funds you know survive more than 60 years that's that's a lofty goal it is very lofty so we'll we'll get into that soon too but yeah danny let's go to what you were referencing what what do you have to give up right i mean this this one really strikes me as one of the most prominent factors you have to consider um this idea of the things you have to give up if you're going to really pursue the fire movement social life right I, i started to allude to some of that with hanging out with friends or family, going to different events or gatherings. Those things are some of the most cherished memories I have, right? Like things I've done with family and friends and different events. And you have to be mindful that some of those may have to be uh, put on hold or set aside. Yeah. And depending on the situation. This is where I'm going to push back and say that if people are cutting all of this out of their life in order to, to achieve fire, I think personally they're making a mistake. In terms of memories, building memories with friends, family, events, gatherings, all of that. If you're approaching fire, should you be going to concerts that cost a thousand plus dollars? No. But can you have a free day at the beach with family? Absolutely. Could you go to a restaurant with your friends and just order a water and maybe an appetizer or maybe eat before and just enjoy their company? 100%. Right? You don't have to spend a bunch of money to enjoy someone's company and you can go after experiences and events that are either very affordable or free. Um, you know, I live in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I can head to Lake Tahoe whenever I want and it's free. It only costs me the gas to drive up there. I can go camping. Now, as we've spoken before, some camping gear can be very expensive, but you can also do it on a budget if you know, you're aware of where you're going. And you can, you can go on hikes. You can spend a day at the park with your friends. You can have, have them over for board games, right? Or a game night, a movie night, play some video games, you know, if you are a gamer. Uh, And in, in that regard, uh, one of the things that we always do is we always do a potluck. Every single person attending or every family unit attending brings an item and we all share and it cuts down the cost a lot. Nice. Those are really good examples. I I couldn't have said it better myself. And I agree with you, Danny. I I think you're offering a pragmatic solution to mitigate some of that sacrifice to social life. In fact, you're even arguing you don't have to perhaps. My argument is that you do not have to sacrifice it at all. Um, And I think if you do sacrifice it, you know, one, two, three decades down the road, you might regret it and you might have missed out on a lot of. Well, one of the most important aspects of life, you know, in, in pursuit of this financial independence, which I think is a great pursuit, but not at the expense of your social family life and, you know, those treasured memories. Yeah. Or, or mental health even. Absolutely. Don't put yourself in a position because of a very extreme financial goal to the point where you're sacrificing some of the most fundamental and important things about your life. You know, I think, uh, tying this into the the friend and family aspect, Danny. I think that if you are pursuing the fire movement, 
it's really important that you are on the same page as your partner. Like if you're in a relationship, for oh, example, definitely. you know, because if, if, if there are competing, you know, d- differing viewpoints on finances and the goals, it's important to find a shared common ground on your goals. I, I think that would be yeah. definitely, I mean, I might argue that if you and your partner are not aligned in a pursuit of fire, it's going to be nigh impossible to achieve uh, without both of you working towards the same goal. Um, and that goes back to our, our couples finances episode where, you know, the number one issue of relationships failing is money. Make sure you're mm-hmm. on the same page before you commit to spending your life with somebody. That would be my, my suggestion. Yeah. Danny, um, talking about the fire movement, I know we've, we've talked about some, some of the pros and cons already, but before we dive into more examples, um, what are some things about the fire movement that inspired you? Like what elements have you taken from it and more or less tried to apply to your life? What elements are you not really focusing on? That sort of thing. I'm just curious to, to hear how you've mapped that sure. over to your own personal finances. Uh, I mean, some of the things that have inspired me are more a focus on minimalism in life, um, not, yeah. not trying to find happiness in material items. Uh, and that's not to say like, I've mentioned before, I'm trying to actively declutter my house, uh, but we don't spend a lot of money on, on material goods. And another aspect that we've touched before is financial min- minimalism, trying to pare everything down, make sure that we aren't being wasteful, make sure that when we do spend, it's on things that are really important to us. We have hit a point now where everything is so automated that I've kind of dialed back a bit. I'm not necessarily like we are getting close to that 50%, but we're not there uh, in terms of savings rate. But um, trying to just be conscientious of the experiences and making sure that we are spending enough on experiences um, for ourselves as a couple, for the kids and like us as a whole family. Um, you know, we will we'll spend to take a very long drive and visit family and make sure that we see everyone while we can. I think, oh man, a really something that really hit me that I've seen recently is uh, this idea that if you are an adult and you only see your parents once a year, you maybe have 35 visits with them left. Keeping that in mind and just thinking like, holy cow, 35 chances to see them. You, you need to be very intentional uh, with your time and, and the time that you have left. And I don't want to go too far down like kind of a morbid road, but just, you know, uh, value the time that you have and value the time that you can spend with family and with friends and those really important relationships. I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I, I like fire in terms of it also, if you are building towards it, it inherently gives you a very strong safety net. It gives you something to fall back on in hard times. And that's also something I really strive for, uh, to provide a stable environment for my children. Yeah. I don't think you went on a tangent at all. I thought it was neat to see how you tied this idea of just being more intentional and focusing on your values to the fire movement itself. It's kind of a unique twist, right? Because a lot of people hear about the fire movement and they think sacrifice, 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 right? And and you're saying, you know, it's it's actually if you if you want part of the ambition of pursuing the fire movement is actually focusing is causing you to refocus on being intentional and thinking about your values and how those tie to your financial life as well. 100%. I think that's really cool. And um, I agree with you. I think your answer was great. Uh, I, I'm basically on the same page as you. I wanted to one quick shout out again, not to go off on a tangent, but you're mentioning like the 
seeing your parents once per year. I heard a statistic, again, not to be morbid, but it was something like by the time your child turns 19, so the the first 18 years of their life, you've already spent 95% of the time you'll ever spend with them or 99% of the time, depending on how often you see them after that. Because people move away, they have families, then you maybe see them once per year. Think about it. You see your children 365 days a year for 18 years. That could be the vast majority of the time you ever see them. So interesting little shout out there. I actually appreciate you sharing that thought because I do think it's values like that that do tie into, they need to be factored in when thinking about your financial ambitions as well. Definitely. And and, and make sure they fit in. I, I agree with you. And a quick shout out to our listeners. Uh, you could probably get some sense of how the FIRE movement has inspired me in moments of my life. You know, again, leaning on the extreme part because there are extreme elements about the FIRE movement. Uh, episode four, calculating returns outside of your portfolio. Danny, you mentioned it earlier just now in our conversation that, about the sleeping bag, but that is the episode where I told you about the two $900 sleeping bags my wife and I bought, but also what we were able to do with our lifestyle because of that yep. and save money in other places. Cool episode. Uh, I, in another episode, I also talked about splitting a studio apartment <laughs> with my friend. Oh, the so freedom paid, of single life. Yeah. <laughs> $225 a month in rent uh, was was really helped me uh, boost my savings rates. Let's just put it that way. For me, a lot of the philosophy behind it, I really do embody. I strive to uh, to live off of just one income and save as much of one person's income as possible. That's usually present. And then occasionally, if time times do become tough or a certain goal is really prominent and I'm trying to achieve it in a short period of time, maybe I'll tap in and do a little you know, one to two month sacrifice where I work really hard and I figure out ways to really boost that savings rate. Absolutely. Uh, knowing, knowing that that's not sustainable for myself yeah. into the future. I, I can do little snippets here and there to really give myself a boost. Those are some areas that the fire movement have inspired me. Um, I think I actually wanted to. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add one more thing. I think that you also have to be flexible and not be too adherent, you know, to the, the goals that you set. Now you, you drive yeah. towards them and you strive for them but be flexible enough to adjust and shift as things come up. Uh, some things have come up this year that have actually, for the last half of this year, caused me to halt my investing, right? I have mm-hmm. completely, st- well, I'm still doing the 401k match and I will still max out the Roth, but any additional investing is on hold while I build up an additional savings, additional money for the emergency fund, additional money to cover insurance deductibles and such things. Um, I'm actively raising that and holding off on investing just for this year, you know, because some things have come up that caused me to shift. So you need to be flexible and be flexible without stressing about it, right? You're already, if you're following this path, ahead of 99% of people. So it's not something for you to stress over if you have to make a slight detour to adjust some things for a limited amount of time. Yeah, to your point that you just said a few minutes ago, Danny, if you are actually pursuing the fire movement, you are by default going to have much more savings cushions than the typical person would be, which then gives you flexibility to be able to adapt to your environment when it does change. So uh, yeah, great call out. Um, I wanted to jump into a cool story here, Danny. Uh, And I have not told Danny about this. This is is the first time he's about to hear about it and, and for all of you too. So my wife and I have a friend, what they have done over the past few years is just like, it just screams fire to me. It's one of the coolest like fire financial stories I've heard. I don't even know if this person is a part of the fire movement. It's just what they naturally did. 
I'm not going to say location or names or anything like that. Completely anonymous here, but you're not going to um, list social security do- number, address, none of that. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Check the show notes for that if you want that. So, so this friend of mine, so he bought a house in 2016, just north of three. It was about three hundred thousand dollars when he bought it. Needed renovations, and he he's a pretty handy man. He 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 could do a lot of work and renovation. He's very good at it. So what he did was he, it was a four bedroom house. He moved into the house. He renovated a room. He moved into that bedroom. And then he started renovating the second bedroom. Okay. And as soon as he finished renovating it, he rented it out to somebody. Yep. Then he started I, immediately, just as soon as he was done re- renovating it. Then he did the, renovated the third room. As soon as that was ready, he rented it out. Then he did the fourth room, and then he rented that out. So extreme he was basically house living. Hacking. Yeah, extreme. Doesn't stop there though. He then starts building a unit above the garage. And before it was even finished, it was just barely livable. Okay. He moves out of his first bedroom that was already renovated. The first one he renovated, rents that one out. Now he has his four bedroom house fully rented out. Wow. And he's building a unit above his garage. Then as soon as he finishes, <laughs> I can't even get through this without laughing because it's <laughs> hilarious and awesome. He finishes the fifth room above the garage and buys a freaking ambulance and converts the ambulance into a living unit, moves out of the unit above the garage and lives in the ambulance in his driveway and is now renting out five units in his house. That's incredible. Not to mention he bought the house for 300000 and uh, now I just checked Zillow just for kicks and giggles and it's, it's over $700,000 in terms of value. Wow. So, and he also quit his job and is just focusing on like rock climbing and, you know, doing things around the house and like pursuing other you know economic avenues wow. and different things. okay so the so the five rents literally i mean obviously more than covers the mortgage it covers his entire yeah. living cost virtually wow. from my knowledge okay. I, I don't know all of his personal details and what his budget looks like i haven't done financial planning for him but i was just so inspired by his story i thought it was so cool that he took such a unique approach and was just like really maximizing his home as an asset that's to really leverage it for cash flow that's incredible because you think of and i i would i I'm assuming, or I would believe that this is probably only possible for someone who is single and, and has very low cost of living, uh, co- you know, yeah. but it's, it shows the flexibility. If you are creative, look at this, a single property, a single property is now funding the majority of this person's life. Right. And when yeah. you hear like the average person talk about real estate, you hear them talking about how oh, you have to have like a 10 property portfolio. Uh, and an enormous amount of leverage usually in order to to hit that same goal. And this person has theoretically hit that base level of fire with a single property and a lot of creative kind of like financing and skills, right? Picking up and learning the skills to do a lot of this uh, themselves. Yeah, it's just an incredible example of how you can take one thing and produce so much value from it. And it's just, it's so efficient. It's, it's so it's just maximizing his situation to the greatest benefit he can get from it. I thought that was just really inspiring uh, as a cool story. Yeah, that was fun. So, That's fun to hear. Yeah, it is fun to, to our listeners that this is an example of what people do who are motivated. I don't, and again, I don't even know if this friend of ours would consider themselves a proponent of the fire movement, but th- that example definitely screams fire to me for sure. Um, so Danny, let's, let's talk about the risks of fire. Sure. I think this is the last thing I want to talk about. I think it's important. 
So you mentioned longevity risk, and that's that's one of the ones I had listed out here. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, this is not to be confused with the what do you have to give up that we were talking about, like with family and social. I, I think that's a risk, but I'm I'm talking about more like financial risks from the fire movement as opposed to social or family or mental risks, if you will. The number one I wanted to talk about, and I would argue this is the biggest risk, is sequence of returns risk. Okay with the fire movement. So to our listeners, sequence of returns risk, the easiest way to define it without getting technical is it's when you have negative returns in your portfolio during times when you need to withdraw money for Mm -hmm. income, right? This is particularly, I think the, when it comes up most is when you first enter retirement, right? If you have to, if you are retiring and the, like, let's say the year or two that you initially retire and you begin drawing, there are huge drawdowns in the market or your portfolio, Mm -hmm. however it uh, works out, that can set you up for a very difficult path moving forward in terms of retirement. Absolutely. Yes. It's, it's very challenging for retirees. It's, it's one of the risks they're most concerned about is that they will, they will retire and then the economy will take a turn for the worse. It'll be a downward market. It will be a recession, whatever it might be. And all of their asset values in their investment account have depreciated due to the market pulling back. Yet they're still sitting there saying, well, gosh, I, I, I need to make a withdrawal to pay my living expenses. Yeah, you you can't just say I'm not going to eat for a year and wait for the market to go back up. <laughs> right, right. This is a very real risk. Right? And so how do retirees mitigate this risk? They do a couple things. Some have something called a buffer asset, which could be having a home equity line of credit on your home, could be having a nice big cash pile in your bank account. I've heard um, Um, one to two years of cash or cash equivalent so that you can just use that to live if there's a drawdown when you initially retire. Absolutely. And and the idea is that when the market is down, you you, you stop all withdrawals from your investment account and you just pull from this buffer asset. To your example, Danny, maybe it's cash like instruments and two years worth of cash, you know, set aside. And you would pull from that until the market recovers. Hopefully it recovers during that time. Usually does, but hopefully. The risk is if you withdraw from your investment account when the market is down, it can have profound consequences on the future growth of your assets, right? So let's give an example. This is kind of a fun little financial misconception people have too, right? So if your portfolio drops 50%, and that sounds extreme, but it actually can happen, right? If you're 100% stocks, for example, um, a 50% drawdown in portfolio value, um, market turn, if you will, is going to require 100% return on investment to get back to where you were before, right? If you go from 100,000 to 50,000, that 50 then has to double again to get back to 100. And people aren't thinking about that, right? So imagine you have a giant pullback in the market and then you're taking withdrawals during that down when the market is down imagine how much more demand and strain that's going to put on your portfolio to have to return back to where it was before let alone continue to grow into the future at a rate that's going to be able to produce enough um, capital appreciation and income to support your living needs so that's why retirees have buffer assets some retirees also have an income floor right so they may they may set their living expenses, try to get it as close to perhaps their social security as possible mm-hmm. so that if the market goes down, their social security is enough to at least 
get them by, but that's usually pretty tough because Social Security is not very high one, compared to people's living yeah, expenses. Yeah, one other option there, right, uh, might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you have an income floor that you need to meet is uh, you have an annuity that will cover just that portion and then the rest yes. of it is invested in, you know, more liquid assets uh, that have growth potential. And so you have yep. that uh, that annuity just to um, kind of lower that longevity risk. That sequence of returns risk, yes. Correct. And longevity yep. risk, of course, because an annuity is literally mitigates longevity risk. But in this case, it does also mitigate sequence of returns risk because it, it takes pressure off of your portfolio for withdrawals during market downturns. So you can rely on that, at least that income floor. These are all examples of how retirees mitigate sequence of returns risk. Most people retire in their 60s or even 70s. Imagine somebody who's young retiring 35, 40, 40, even 50, right? That is that much more time they have to deal with and also deal with sequence of returns. And that also means that they have to have a plan to be able to mitigate that by the time they want to retire early, right? And so that means having buffer assets. That means having assets that are not necessarily in the market that could be very volatile, which seems counterintuitive, right? Because you now have a massive retirement ahead of you of like 50, 60 years, which would mean you need to have assets in risk, your you know, higher growth type of assets. But it's kind of this catch-22. It's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? So it just makes the whole income puzzle and investment puzzle really tricky for people who are pursuing the fire movement absolutely i think it just puts extra demand on just save 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 as much as you can um and, and be mindful of that risk the next risk danny which you already talked about was longevity risk right this is pretty basic uh, but potentially huge period of time you'll have to provide income for yourself compared to a traditional retiree so just be mindful of that one quick call out i wanted to give danny too if you are retiring early, you are likely sacrificing your social security benefits as well, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. It, because you know, there's a certain amount of time you have to have been contributing to be, uh, I think, fully insured is is the term that's yes. used on the government side. And yeah. uh, you need to have been contributing for a large enough number of years to have hit that uh, full insurance benefit. Yeah. Generally, you need 40 credits in the social security system, which usually comes out to 10 years because you usually get four credits per year. It's generally how it works. Uh, however, your social security benefit is based off of your highest 35 years of work. So unless you have 35 years of employment, um, your benefits are are not going to have the best calculation for, for a, a future income benefit. And a lot of retirees depend on social security as that income floor, which helps with sequence of returns risk and longevity risk, right? And so if your social security is also is being is receiving a haircut because of a, an early retirement, that's something you also have to be mindful of. A couple other risks, Danny. This one, I was thinking about this. I think this is the case, right? The risk is if things don't pan out when you're when you retire early, you may have to go back to work. Mm -hmm. But if you haven't been working for a period of years, you may not have been staying current with your skills mm -hmm. and with with your education. And so, I think there's even a, a risk on the opposite end if you have to go back to work. You may not be as marketable as you once were. Very unless true. You've kept up your skills, you know, in yeah. some way. If if you if people 
today are interviewing and employers are going, what's this three month gap in your employment? Right. And that's causing a problem because you, uh, that's causing an issue for you trying to get a job. Imagine when they say, what's this 15 year gap in your employment? Yeah. Well, you're going to need to, you're going to need to uh, get a little creative with how you kind of phrase that when you're trying to interview. Yeah. You know, I would argue, I really hope that people who are pursuing the fire movement don't stop pursuing skills. I, Absolutely. I hope, that, I hope that they are, I hope you're still planning to do something. Uh, I really do believe in the phrase. It's so cliche, but I'm going to say it. Don't retire from something, retire to something. Mm -hmm. A hobby. So many people. uh, Yeah. A hobby, uh, a a skill, something that you're passionate about. Um, I know someone who who left my job a little over a year ago to pursue painting full time. And that's just starting to kind of, you know, take off. Uh, But, you know, that's a risk. But it's something that they in a way retired to um, and are actively pursuing. Right. And that's something that I think uh, a lot of people don't think of. We, I think as a society or for the people in the finance world, we kind of glamorize the idea of fire and early retirement, but you need to, you need to be working towards something after you've achieved that. Right. Our brains are not meant to be stagnant. You need to be learning. You need to be developing new skills and kind of, going after things, whatever it might be. Your friend is pursuing rock climbing uh, from what you said earlier. And it really doesn't matter what it is as long as you are making good use of your time and, you know, you're pursuing literally anything that drives you. Yeah, to your friend, the coworker who is painting now, think about what that could entail, right? That could entail having their own business and making art and that's their art inventory in their business. And then they sell that art. And next thing you know, they're, yeah, they are maybe are financially independent or retiring earlier, retiring to something else, but they're actually still developing really useful skill sets. I, not many people can say that they run an art business and that they <laughs> produce the art themselves. Absolutely. Like that's really, really unique. And so I, that's a great example, right? There's always a way to continue developing your skills and, and staying current and relevant and, and educating yourself, I would definitely invite all of our listeners to keep that goal in mind if you are pursuing the fire movement. Yeah. Uh, the last risk I'll bring up, Danny, is liquidity risk. Okay. So anybody who's prudent about saving and follows any financial order of operations they find online, going to be very common to encounter the advice of max out your 401k, get the employer match, you know, max out your Roth IRA each year if you're, you know, eligible to do so. That is all good. Those are all great things to do, right? The problem is for most people, there are limitations on when you can access your retirement accounts, depending on your age mm-hmm. and, and when you retire. And so there may be a period of time where you still have to wait for access to those accounts to kick in. And so you have to have enough assets elsewhere to kind of bridge that gap before you can then access your retirement accounts. Yeah. And that's a, a risk to be mindful of if you're going to retire early. I think the last thing too is healthcare costs, Danny. I, this is kind of the wild card in my opinion. Uh, that's fair. Healthcare costs inflate at a rate much higher generally than regular inflation. And when you're retiring really early or trying to become financially independent really early, it is so so difficult to project what your health may look like and what might happen to you 50 years into the future. And that is something that can really come back and haunt you. And a lot of people, even retirees 
struggle to prepare for that. There are retirees who kind of get past the initial years of the retirement, really bad health scares come in. Um, they have to make changes to their home because maybe they need a wheelchair access now. They have um, their lifestyle completely changes. They have to perhaps hire somebody in, in-house to help with care. Things can really creep up on you later in life that are very difficult to anticipate when you're young and healthy and aren't even thinking about those things. But it's it's just another thing you have to sort of have a contingency plan for. You know, be baking in these additional risks that may be difficult to foresee in the moment and have a plan to be able to address those um, yep. hypothetical examples. Yeah, it's it's really easy to not think about those kind of things when you're, you know, young and strong and healthy. And, right. um, you know, it seems like you can do anything. Trying to plan out for, you know, those things that might come up 20, 30, 40 years in the future can be really difficult. And, you know, there's yeah. some different things that you can go into and you can kind of try to plan for. But I think that is its own episode for the future. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think some closing thoughts, Danny, just to reiterate to our listeners. There are a lot of really cool things about the fire movement. Have an honest conversation with yourself about what that could mean to you, what about it could inspire you. But Danny, to your point, I want to hammer this again. Strive to live a life that is not burdened by extreme financial goals that are otherwise going to cause you to sacrifice things that are arguably far more important, such as friends, family, social life, mental health. There are ways you can still pursue these things with you know, fervor and passion and enthusiasm and even extremely extreme situations too, you can do those things without having to sacrifice things that are very important. And I think if you are pursuing them, just be mindful of the risks we talked about. Be mindful of the unique challenges that face people pursuing the fire movement and just be diligent and have a plan to address those risks. Yeah. I think that's all I had for today, Danny. Yeah, I agree. You know, I would, I would say that fire has a ton of really great guidelines and uh, overall philosophies to to work into your goals and to work into your life. But get that built into your finances and your budget. Kind of set the sail, right? Set the compass on your ship, whatever you want to say. Get that moving in the right direction and then ensure that you are living for today, right? That you are taking the time with your family, with your friends, for your passions. Uh, we should not live to work. It should just be a a part of our life that helps us to achieve other goals and other passions. Completely agree. That's great. Wow. Thank you so much for that, Danny. And, and to our listeners, we really hope you got something out of this and feel inspired by some of the, the things we've shared. And uh, we appreciate you joining us today to talk about it. And we will see you next week. All opinions expressed in this program are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions or financial advice. Always remember that investing involves risk and the possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a qualified professional before making any important financial decisions.